that they haven't, uh, they don't wait anymore. They just go. They're excited about that, and that's great. Kids' church can be dismissed in the back. Amen. And so, as we're staying, we can go to the word of the Lord today, the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. And as we're going there, I'll remind you that uh, out there in the foyer, uh, there's uh, daily devotionals for adults, youth, and kids that you want to uh, keep connected with the lessons and Sunday school lessons that are going on here at the church, something for everybody that we're all connected on the same page and, and moving together. Amen. So you can grab one of those out there uh, for that. Uh, the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. Verse 1, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing, when he went, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God. Amen. I want to preach today from this title, Living by the Word. Living by the Word. And turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you may be seated today. Man, most of us in here, I can probably say with uh, certainty that have at least at one time in our life been tempted and has given in to the temptation to see how long we can hold our breath underwater. We've all been there. We all survived. Amen. And uh, I'll admit it's been a while for me, uh, a long while. It's not something that really interests me anymore. Probably none of us either anymore. Uh, I like breathing and I like getting all the oxygen that I can get. Amen. So there's no reason, no good reason to purposely de deprive myself of, of air. Uh, and, and so the last time that I held my breath was when uh, the water he heater went out and I had to shower. And But it wasn't like I held my breath. I feel like my breath was taken from me. But I survived, and we're, we're so used to uh, the blessed uh, hot water heaters. And, man, that makes a, a world of difference. You, you, you forget how blessed you are until your hot water heater goes out, and then you realize, oh, thank God. But uh, on March 27th of this year, the record for the longest time that somebody voluntarily held their breath was, underwater, was, get this, 24 minutes and 37 seconds. 24 minutes, this person held their breath underwater. It's a world record. I, I can't even begin to understand how that is even possible. How, let alone uh, physically possible or feasible, I don't know. I mean, after 30 seconds, I'm ready, ready to dial 911. And um, this guy did it for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. And so, like I said, I like to breathe, and I'm sure you like to breathe as well. And so, because oxygen is just so important to us, it really is a matter of life or death. But for the vast majority of our days, we, uh, we, we, we don't think twice about our oxygen levels. We're just kind of walking around, we're doing everything normal, we're not thinking about how much oxygen we're, we're taking in. Uh, we're not focused on our breathing, uh, we're, we're, and we're not keeping track of things or how long it's been since time has passed since our last breath. It's just kind of uh, involuntary. We're going through the life, going through day, uh, not paying attention. But most of our daily living, breathing oxygen is second nature. It, it happens subconsciously and not even thinking about it, and we're doing it. Unless we start doing some extraneous exercise, and then we start paying attention, but uh, except for now, um, as we're probably aware now of our breathing because we're talking about it, uh, but only when we find ourselves in certain environments, certain things that are happening in our lives, do we actually then become aware of our breathing. Like when you go swimming, 
when you go, when you find yourself in water or cold water, now all of a sudden, breathing moves to the top of your list. Oxygen now is the most most important thing in my life when I'm out there swimming. Uh, you can you can have the keys to my car. You can have the money in my wallet. You can have the food in my pantry. Just just let me breathe and let me have oxygen because I need it to live. It's all of a sudden now it rises to the list, doesn't it? The other arena that humans are concerned about their oxygen levels is when they leave this perfectly good soil and they travel into outer space to walk around in the heavens out there dancing in weightlessness. Out there, again, now all of a sudden the most important thing is oxygen. Man shall not live by a space suit alone but by every oxygen molecule. That's what we come to find out in certain situations. Uh, all of a sudden, now, breathing is very important. When it comes to the heavens and the seas, all of a sudden, oxygen is the most important thing. Every moment that is made hinges on each breath of oxygen. But, but everyday living, we don't give it a second thought, do we? We're not thinking about it. But it's there. We, we need it every single day, every moment of every day. We still need that same oxygen, but, but we're just preoccupied by other things, and we're not even thinking about it. But every single day we need it, and we don't give a second thought to it. But the, the truth of the matter is this. Wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we are in, we know that we are not alone in it. That there is, that God is there too. God is there with us. And the psalmist penned these words. He said, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I, if I take the wings of the morning and, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea... Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand hold me. Doesn't that bring us some comfort to, to our soul to know that no matter where we go, if we happen to be those crazy people that leave this earth and and go in outer space, God is still there with them out there. Or if we find ourselves in the deep sea, God is still there with us. No matter where we go, we cannot get away from God because his spirit is there. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And if the Spirit of God is present, then you know that the Word of God is present as well. Because Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. The, uh, in the beginning, sorry, wrong verse. In, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so when the Spirit of God moves, then all of a sudden we know that the Word of God is going to speak. And brings life, it brings light into whatever situation it is. It doesn't matter how good or how bad it is. What we need in our life is we need God. We need God in our life. We need His Spirit in His life. We need His Spirit to move and His Word to go forth. If your world is dark, without form and void and without purpose, let me tell you, what you need for God to do is to show up in your life and He'll start turning things around, won't He? He'll start moving things and switching things and all of a sudden you find yourselves following the Spirit of God to a place where He can, he can bring you out and, and, and speak to you and minister to you and help turn your situation around. What we need in our life is God to move in our midst. And so if things are just peachy, then I still want God to show up, right? I, I Just because things are all good, I don't want to, okay, God, you can leave me alone for a while. I'm on my own. No. If things are going well, I still want God to show up in my life to protect and to provide and to help keep a watchful eye. Uh, whatever the case, good or bad or indifferent, we want God in our lives to be there and his spirit to be moving in our midst. If you've been in a church for years, you still need God in your life. 
If you've been in this for all your life, you still need God to show up in your life each and every day. Every situation, we still need God to move in our life. And if this is a, uh, if we're new to all this, my best advice is still to have the Spirit of God in your life, uh, moving in your life, and have His Word speak to your heart. We all should desire having the Spirit of God and the Word of truth active in our lives. Because John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's, it's not one or the other. It's both and. We need both of them. A, a true worshiper is one who's got a hold of both, who's going to worship God in the good times and going to worship God in the bad times. On the mountaintops and in the valley, I'm still going to worship him whether I'm sitting in darkness or I'm walking in light, I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to praise God because I got a hold of his spirit and get a hold of his word. And I know that I need him through every situation, good or bad. I need him and his word. That's what Jesus said when he was being tempted in the wilderness in our text. Jesus, being filled of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And, and being tempted, uh, 40 days being tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Yep, me too. After one meal, I'm hungered. I haven't eaten breakfast yet. I'm hungered. I can I, I can't understand. I mean, he didn't eat 40 days, so obviously if I'm hungry after one meal, missing the meal, Jesus was really hungry. Fasting 40 days. Uh, one of the worst things about fasting is besides your stomach starting to consume itself, is what can be the hardest thing about fasting is everywhere you look, now all of a sudden there's food. Is it just me? Everywhere you look, there's all of a sudden food. Now, uh, now all of a sudden, you, you show up to work on the day of your fast, and somebody's catering breakfast or lunch. What, Lord, what are you trying to do in me? Of all days, of all days, it's been quiet for months, and the day I fast, somebody's catering. Now, you notice all the billboards that you've never seen before that have been there. They've been there the whole time. Kind of like oxygen has been there the whole time. You just never will pay attention. Uh, you can even smell the sweet-smelling savor of the burger from, that, from the billboard when you're fasting. Only happens when you haven't eaten. It's hard enough to fast, and, and we don't need it any more difficult. Uh, so Jesus describes, or he decides that he's going to go out into the wilderness for 40 days, and he's going to fast out there. Not a bad idea because you're, you're away from everything. There's no Chick-fil-A out in the wilderness. You don't got to worry about that. Uh, and so the devil shows up and he whispers into Jesus' ear. He says, I, I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. I can hear your stomach growling. How do you think I found you out here in the wilderness? Why, why, why don't you just turn these stones into a nice hot loaf of bread? Maybe like a hot cinnamon roll or something. Right out of the oven. Jesus, you can do it. You speak it and that, that, that rock is hot bread. You would think that the most important thing to sustain life would be food. I mean, after eat, not eating for 40 days, uh, that's the first thing you're going to run to. But Jesus does not say that. He actually quotes Deuteronomy. He says, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, we can be a little confused with that because, Lord, I haven't eaten in 40 days. I mean, and uh, how, how, how do I not get food? How is food not going to sustain me? And uh, this verse he's referring to was when the children of Israel were brought through the wilderness. And, and what happened to them? They got hungry and they got thirsty and they didn't have any food or water to sustain them. Uh, and they didn't, their emergency packs uh, wasn't good for 40 years. It was good for three days or however long they sell them for. Uh, but uh, they, how did they survive if they didn't bring all their food with them? Whatever they did, they consumed quickly. How did they survive? Well, 
we know that they survived by the word of God. They survived by the word of God. The, the Lord spoke to Moses, go put that tree in the water, and I'll turn that water from bitter to sweet. And all of a sudden, now they had water to drink. And God said, go speak to that rock. And then all of a sudden, out of that rock flows a river of water. And, and the word of God spoke to the barren wilderness and said, let there be manna come forth every single day. Israel didn't realize it, but Israel was not living by bread alone, but Israel was living by the very word of God because God spoke those things to existence, and all of a sudden now you have water to drink. You've got food to eat. And he said, let there be, uh, let there be an army of quail that came and flies in the evening time so they can have meat for dinner. They ate food, but the food didn't get there until God spoke. And it was the word of God that actually brought all those things through. And so if the word of God can keep and sustain an entire nation of people, don't you think the word of God can keep you and sustain you and bring you through your situation? It doesn't matter how bad it is, how dark it may be. God's already proven himself. He can provide uh, food and water for six million people. He can take care of your needs. That loaf of bread will, will feed you for this meal, but what, what are you going to do for the next meal? What are you going to do for the next meal? The, what about the food for tomorrow or the next day? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Once we begin to understand and trust in his word, God can just speak things into existence. That's what he did with manna. He just spoke it into existence. It never happened before, and, and they picked it up, and they said, what is this? That's what manna means in Hebrew. What is this? And so they had no idea, but yet the word of God created them some food. Uh, and so only God can speak to nothing and something can come forth out of it. Only God has the power to do that. Only God can speak to a dead and dry situation, and then all of a sudden life comes forth. And so it doesn't matter how dry your heart is, how dry your soul is. All you need today is the word of God to be spoken into your life, and God can begin to do great things and turn things around in your situation. God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel. He said, go to the valley of dry bones. And he said unto him in Ezekiel 37, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. And Ezekiel, I mean, you're looking at skeletons. And God's asked, can these live? You know, Lord, I don't know. Thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so the word of God has the power to do that. Speak life to even the deadest of situations Nothing else can take a skeleton and make it into a living being again. It's by the word of God. But the word of God can do that. But man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not going to put my faith, my trust in politicians or governments or in a, in a boss or in a paycheck. But, but, but it's going to be in the word of God because I know God can do anything. And I need him in my life. No matter what happens, whatever the situation is I find myself in, the Word of God can sustain me and keep me and provide for me and keep me in His hands. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but live by the every Word of God. Sometimes we have a hard time uh, living that because we can have so many uh, so many possessions and, and we get so used to things that uh, we, we, we tend to think that we're doing all this and we're providing all this, providing for ourselves and uh, we can find out real quick how quickly that can end. And then all of a sudden now we're asking, oh God, help me out. 
Uh, well, if we're always putting our faith and our trust in him at all times, well, our faith is not going to sway. Or we're not going to get down or depressed because we know God's hand is going to be on our lives and bring us through it. Amen. We know, according to Scripture, in 1 John 1 and 9, says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only the Word of God can speak that kind of life and power into our life. And so we know that we believe in the power of the Word of God, and we stand upon the Word of God with absolute assurance. We know we don't question it, do we? We don't question the word of God when it says, if we confess, he'll forgive us. There's no question about that. We, we accept that with all 100% truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. And so we know without a shadow of a doubt that when we repent of our sins, we know that he will forgive them and wash them away. If we, if the, all the things that we've committed, God can wash them away. Colossians 1 and 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And we know that the, the blood of Jesus redeems us from our sinful past and sinful mistakes. We don't question that word. We live by that word. Micah 7, 19, he will turn again and he will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And so when it comes to the sea and all of our sins that God uh, figuratively throws in there, nothing is more important to us than the word of God. Because we want his word to wash away all of our sins. We believe the word of God for that. Because without that, we have nothing. And when it comes to our past, we live by and we stand by the very word of God. Because uh, we know the word of God has the power to wash away our sins and all of our past. And so we stand on that absolutely uh, with certainty with the word of God about our past. So what about our future? What about our future in the heavens? John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so, uh, those scripture is, is, is read a lot at funerals, and we, we understand that uh, the promise there that Jesus is going away, preparing a place for us in, in heaven, and he's going to come back for us. And so, we don't question that. We, we know that, hey, there's heavens, heavens there and we're going to heaven. And, and so the amount of scriptures that talk about and even describe heaven and the kingdom of heaven are so numerous. But we, we just take them by faith. That we just, hey, there's heaven, we're going to heaven. We die, we're going to heaven. Uh, and, and so concerning our future, there is nothing more important to us than the word of God. Our future, nothing more important than this. Our past, nothing more important than this. Because this washes away our past and this gives us a future. So concerning the seas and the heavens, concerning our past and our future, we acknowledge that the word of God is crucial and absolutely critical in, for our lives. Our past is erased by the word of God, and the future, we have hope, is sustained by the word of God. But what about the present? What about our everyday life? If the word of God is really as important and as critical to our survival as we say it is, then we should live by the word of God each and every day. If we're putting our, our, if we're putting our future in the word of God and are covering our past with the word of God, we should live in the future, in the present, by the word of God. If, that, if it's that critical. 
We should live by it each day. It, if it's that important, it, it should not be hidden in our life. It should be out there exposed. It should be front and center. It should be evident. It should be without question in our life, in our present life, if we depend on it that much. My past, absolutely essential. My future, absolutely essential. My present, pastor, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the word of God says. You know, does it really say that? We really need to do that. I mean, I know I'm going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. But what about my daily living? Is it that important to me to follow uh, each and every day? John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There Jesus just kind of lays it out there, the importance of the word of God. If, we're, if we want to go into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven one day, Jesus says, hey, I know everybody wants to go, but hey, let me tell you how, you, uh, how to get in. Because if you're not born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter it. That's what Jesus said. I, he knows what he's talking about. Those are not my words. And so Jesus said that in John 3, 5, even way before John 3, 16. But yet somehow the world just focuses on John 3, 16. If we back up a few scriptures, you might see a little bit more insight into all of this. Uh, and so he says you can't get into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Jesus said it is that critical. It is that important that you need to know that you need to be born again uh, because that which is flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. And so uh, we need to know that right now because that that's, affects our future, doesn't it? In John 3 and 8, if it's that important, we need to know, understand when that happens. The wind bloweth where listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. And so when the blow, wind blows really hard, you can hear it. But you, you hear a sound. Uh, and what does Jesus say? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. If being born of the water and of the spirit is so critical that people are, are going to get into heaven or not get into heaven, you would think that we would like to know if we've done that, right? Like I, I just don't want to walk in through life with, with some, uh, and some hope without some assurance, but Jesus provides some assurance to every believer. He says, everyone that is born of the spirit, you're going to hear a sound. Just like you hear the, the wind blowing, you're going to hear a sound. Uh, and, and so, taking that into consideration, let's move forward to the very first church service. The beginning of the church, that is the reason why you and I are here, is because of what happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, the very first church service and the very first sermon would be very important uh, because it is a crucial message that sets the tone and sets the precedent of the church. I mean, you want to make sure the first message of the church that is preached is absolutely critical. Uh, and so uh, what is that first message? Uh, the, the altar call part of it is in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so that aligns again with Jesus saying you must be born again, born of the water, baptism, born of the Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's obviously repentance that we need to do to tell God we're sorry for all of our sins. Uh, and so there again, the Word of God, Jesus, uh, Peter is preaching the first message in the church, and that's, that's what he preaches. And so let's fast forward a few years to see how the church is doing uh, if they are still living by the word of God or if the message has changed and uh, different preachers have come in or whatever, they have different, maybe different translations or whatever, I don't know. But uh, we're going to skip forward a, a few years um, and to see what is still being preached in the church because I, I want to be preaching in the church what they preached back then, right? 
right? Because that's what Jesus told them to preach. I don't want to sway from the message. I don't want to, I don't want to water down the truth. I want, to, I want all the truth, the good and the bad. I want all of it. I just don't want to hear the, the benefits and the promises and all the blessings. Yeah, we love that. But also, if there's any hard parts in the Scripture, I need to know about it. I need to hear about it because man shall live by every word of God. And so skipping forward a few years in church history, we see in Acts chapter 10, while Peter yet spake these words, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on them which all heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so how did these Jews know that the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles? This was a big issue back then, and they had a meeting about it. But here, Gentiles are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and the Jews are saying, what in the world's going on? How did they know that the Jews got the Holy Ghost? Remember what Jesus says? You'll hear a sound. Everyone that is born of the Spirit, you're going to hear a sound. In verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So that's how they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Because they heard them speak with tongues. And then Peter said, uh, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And so there we go. Born of the Spirit and being born of the water. The same message right there in verse 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they prayed they him to tarry certain days. And so there we go. People still washing their sins away. Uh, they're securing their futures in the Word of God by believing the preaching of the Word of God. And there, there are many examples in Scripture of people being born of the water and of the Spirit. And that's, that's just one, uh, one passage there. But notice how it all kind of lines up. Jesus said, got to be born again, born of the water and the Spirit. Peter, the first message uh, repent, be baptized, give the Holy Ghost. And here, uh, a decade later, they're still getting filled with the Holy Ghost and hearing them speak in other tongues and then baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, notice how Peter baptized the people. He said, in the name of the Lord Jesus. He did not say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He did not say that, did he? The truth of the matter is, is that there's no scriptural example. There's no, there's no verse where anybody in the Bible was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Because the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not a name, is it? I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. I'm a nephew. I'm a pastor. That's not my name. What is my name? My name is Phil. And so the, under, the disciples understood and knew that Jesus is the name of the Father. Jesus is the name of the Son. And Jesus is the name of the Holy Ghost. That's why they baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And so if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to get baptized. Not because I want you to, but because Jesus said we all need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And it's not just some kind of minor detail that we want to write off because uh, every jot and every tittle is important in the Word of God. Every single word is important in the Word of God because man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. And so we need to put our faith and our trust in it and we need to live by the Word. Not just place our future in it and not just cover our past by it but today, here and now, we are still needing to live by the word of God. Musicians, if you would come. And so living by the word of God for today, what does the word say about how I should be living today? Because that should be just as important as, our, as the scriptures on heaven. Just as important because if we don't live by them today, uh, we're going to wake up and realize we didn't make it to heaven. And so we got to understand we need to live by the word of God today, and it's each and every single day. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And so this right there, 
this is what I absolutely, I put my faith and trust, I put my future in this. And, and this says the reasonable thing that I should do, my reasonable service. It's not your, your, your hard, uh, unfair service that God asks of you. Uh, Peter says, or Paul says, your reasonable service is what I should be doing today is being a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice, it, that is holy and it is acceptable unto God. Not acceptable in my eyes, but in God's eyes. Because there are a lot of things that I might be okay with, but God may not be okay with. That's why he says acceptable unto him, not acceptable unto you or, 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 or anybody else. Uh, and, and so God may have a different opinion on things than, than we might have. And so it, it comes down to us each and every single day, what are we going to live by? Are we going to live by our own principles and our own thoughts and our own ideas? Or are we going to live by the word of God in which we place our future and our past in? And so uh, that's the whole thing about being a, a, a living sacrifice. Go ask the bull who was the sacrifice on the altar. And go ask it what it's like to be a sacrifice. See, there were horns that were placed uh, on the four corners of the altar to help tie down the animal at times. Because can you imagine trying to put an animal on top of a fire pit? It's not going to say it's not going to sit there and say, "Oh, this feels good." Animal is going to try to get off, and so they had to tie the animals down because it was a sacrifice. And, and so once the fire starts going, nobody says, oh, I just want to stay here. I want to, I want, this feels good. I want to keep here, keep being here. Uh, and so becoming a, a born-again Christian does not mean that you get to now live a pain-free life. That's what we want to believe. We want to believe that. And maybe there are churches out there that preach that, that you can live a, a pain-free life and there's nothing to worry about and there's no heartaches and, uh, uh, and all these things. But the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. I mean, the bad things are going to happen. And so just because we're born again and we're following Jesus Christ now does not mean we get to live a pain-free life and does not mean that we no longer have to be a sacrifice. To the contrary... That's when we actually become the living sacrifice. Experiencing the pain and the conviction of wanting to do something, but then you're hearing the Spirit say, I don't think that's a good idea. Or, or, or wanting to go off and do this or, or make this type of choice, but then, you, then you, you feel a conviction in your heart and you know that that's the Spirit of God speaking to you and saying, that's, that's, not, kind of what, that's not the choice that I would have made. That's, that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what you need to be living your life right by and following after. And, and so that, that, that this, to this flesh and this body wants to do something, but the Word of God says otherwise. And that's where it comes down to the, our daily living, living by the word of God, where we have to keep ourselves in check and keep our mind in check and keep our intentions and our desires and our actions in check, and we keep them in check by the word of God. And, and so that really is the struggle on the altar, that the struggle to surrender is where we live each day by the word of God. Sacrificing says, it's not my will to be done, but it's your will, God. That's what it means to be a Christian. When uh, It's not about us, but it's about his will. It's about not my kingdom anymore. It's your kingdom, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's all about me. I am now to become that living sacrifice to climb upon that proverbial altar and uh, to die out to whatever uh, sinful desires in my life and my heart or this flesh wants to do. But Jesus said it a little bit differently. He says in Luke 9.23, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, we acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross. And we are grateful that he did because we would not be here had he not died on the cross. But the word of God says that 
Jesus isn't the only one that should be carrying a cross. Sometimes we only think there's only one cross, and that's for Jesus. But Jesus says, those who follow after me, you, you got to pick up your cross, and you got to follow me. Don't we want to be like Jesus? We, we say that we want to live by, like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus carried a cross and was crucified. Do we still want to be like him and, and follow his footsteps? Because that's what Jesus said, uh, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Uh, and so there is a cross with our name on it. There is a cross with our name on it, and it is our responsibility to pick it up each and every single day and to follow Jesus Christ, to follow him wherever he's leading us. That's living by the word of God. I don't feel like doing it, but the word of God says, hey, I got to follow him. I got to pick up my cross. I got to bear this burden. I got to lay my will down, my desire down. Why? Because I have a cross and it has my name on it, and I should be carrying that each and every day, living by the word of God. Following Jesus down that path, where does that lead us? It leads us not to the city, but the path that Jesus walked with his cross. He left the city. He, come, he, he left Jerusalem. He was leaving the city, going away from Jerusalem, away from the city, away from the things of this world, and he was headed towards Golgotha's hill. Not my will but thy will be done. That's living by the word of God. And uh, our flesh and our, our carnal desires wants to stay in the city and, and live in the city and, and, and have, have, have a great time in the city and build a great life in the city. But following Jesus means that every single day i got to pick up my cross and follow him. And guess what? It's not following him to the city. It's following him away from Jerusalem, down that path to Golgotha's hill where Jesus was crucified. And that is what it is to struggle to be a living sacrifice because we don't want to always do that. We don't always want to live by the word of God. Just trying to be honest here. There are days you wake up and you don't want to do, you don't want to do the good things that God has called us and commanded us to do. But if we're putting our future in the word of God and we need the word of God to cover our past, what about the word of God for today? Stand with me today. Paul paints us a picture of what it's like when we are living by the Word of God. And we get to our own Calvary. We get to our own hill with our cross. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. That would mean Paul has a cross too, right? Not just Jesus, but Paul has one. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his, himself for me. And so Paul says being a born again Christian means that I am to be crucified with him. That my will is to be crucified. My plans, my desires are all nailed to my cross. And yet Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. That's not an old word with a new meaning that people don't walk around and saying, yeah, I was crucified. Crucified is not a pleasant thing. It's not a pleasant word. It means you've died out. You've, you've been nailed to a cross. You've been, you've been killed. You're, you, you, you died out. And yet Paul says, I am crucified with him. Yet somehow I live. Somehow I live. Somehow I'm still alive, but yet I've been nailed to a cross. Somehow I, I, I died, but yet somehow I'm still alive. How can that be? How can that be? Paul says, it's not me that's alive. It's not I that is alive. It's not me. No, I'm on the cross. I'm dying out on the cross. 
But he says, it's Christ living in me. That's what gives me life. So to live by the word of God means that I should not be alive. That Phil should not be alive. That the person that I was or is or, or, or to be or, or however that works out to be, whoever I am, if I am truly living by the word of God and following him, then I am to be crucified with Christ. That Phil's flesh has been crucified. That my will has been crucified and nailed to a cross. That, that my attitude and my feelings uh, should not be in existence. Why? Because I'm nailed to a cross. My personal desires should matter because I'm dead, right? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I. Paul says I'm not alive because I died out and I became, I, I was born again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ. If we're having a hard time living for God, maybe it's because we're still alive. Maybe because there's some things that haven't died out in our life. Maybe because we're keeping them alive. When Paul says, hey, we need to be crucified with him. We should be dying out. I don't want to do that. Uh, my flesh says I want to do that, but uh, the word of God says, no, I shouldn't be do that. And if, uh, if I keep getting myself in trouble, could it be that Phil is... That I should be like that microphone and die? That's, that's, that's the way we should be. Right? Our, 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 our attitudes and our complainings and all these things that, that happen in our life, that should not be, right? Because we should be dead. We should be crucified with him, and therefore our opinions aren't going to matter because they're not around. They're not existent. How does a dead person give their opinion on something? How does a dead person uh, feel about somebody else talking about them? They don't feel anything. I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, yet I live. It's not I, but Christ who lives within me. And so if, if I, I let the word of God cover my sins and, and cover my past, and I let this guide my future, but how much do I trust to live in it today? Each and every single day, I need to live by the word of God. And so right now, whatever it is in your life that's going on, all I can say is you need the word of God in your life. We need to obey the word of God. We need to live by it. We need to completely surrender by it to the word of God. Do I surrender to it each and every day? Or am I trying to compromise and say, well, God, uh, not today. That means you're not, that means you're alive, right? Let's talk about it, Lord. I don't feel like doing that today. How is, how is that, how is that happening? If we are to be crucified with him, if we are to follow after him. Uh, I know it says to do this, but, but what, what do you think about doing, maybe doing it this way, God? I know what your word says, but maybe there's some gray area that we can get together and talk about. Or what about living like this? Is, it's kind of a little bit more acceptable to me on my terms. Is that okay with you, Jesus? How many of us go through our daily life kind of living like that and walking like that, but then understanding that we are putting our faith and trust in, in this for our future. Surely we can learn to live by it each and every single day. And I, I know it, the, the Word of God is full of promises and blessings. And I know we like those parts of the Scriptures, but we got to have understand all the part of the, all the Bible, right? We need the whole Word of God. And so, yeah, there's plenty of promises that we're going to live by, but also it talks about being a living sacrifice. It talks about being crucified with Him. It talks about picking up a cross and following Him. And we don't, we don't want to skip over those parts. Because it's those parts that humble us. It's those parts that get us in line and remove all the filthiness in our life and, and remove the bad parts and, and, and help us to, to be uh, create a, a new heart, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within us. That's how, we, that's how we get to those places. The blessings are great, but they're not, they're not going to lead you to an altar, are they? 
The promises of God are awesome and we cling to those. You're not going to want to put those down and be nailed to a cross. But yet this is where the rubber meets the road where we got to live by the word of God. If, if we're going to make heaven our home, we've got to live by the word of God today. And we got to do what it says to do and obey the word of God. Otherwise, uh, we're going to wake up one day and, and be surprised. And I don't want to be in that place. And I know you don't want to be in that place either. So uh, as we close out the service, I want to open up these altars today. Anybody, whatever situation you are in, we're all in different walks of life. Maybe we're, we're new to this and this is all first time we're hearing it. That's great. We need to live by the word of God. Maybe if you've been in church for a while and, and you're going through some hard times or maybe you're struggling to live by the word of God. Today is a good day to get a hold of the word of God. Let's come and, and ask God to forgive us of our sins and, and help me, God, to make the right choices and, and to follow after you because I want to make heaven my home and I want to see the promises of God come to pass in my life. And that comes by being obedient to the word of God. Amen. So as they begin to sing, if you want to come down, you want to come and pray, come and seek the face of God. If you want to be baptized, we have a tank that's warm water. You can get baptized in Jesus' name if you haven't done that. Why? Because the word of God says to do that. Come on, let's come and pray. Let's come and seek the face of God. God, help us to live a better life. Help us to live according to your word, God. It's not our opinions. It's not what we want. God, it's about your will, your desire, and your word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this time, for this opportunity, Jesus. Can we just close our eyes and begin to worship the Lord together? Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, your word has gone forth, Lord. Let your spirit begin to move in our midst, God. Begin to draw our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Hallelujah. We need you, Jesus. We need you in our life, God. Hallelujah. Here's my comfort. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to make the right choices. We sing hallelujah. 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 Whatever it is you need. If you need a healing, the Bible talks about being healed by the blood of the Lamb. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. He'll comfort you. Whatever situation you are in, the Word of God can help you today. Hallelujah. He always guides me. Hallelujah, Jesus. And valleys, mountains and valleys. His joy is refreshing. His joy is refreshing. Restores my soul. Yes,